0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. It's a great day to be in church, don't you think? Well, at least half a dozen of you do. It's a great day to be in church. You know that... You have a reason to be happy this morning. Let me give you two reasons. Number one, not the most important one, but it's the first one i am gonna tell you about, is uh, if you read the Press Democrat this week, you figured out that this is the fifth happiest place to live in the entire world. What do you think? No. No, in the United States. What do you think of that? That's pretty good. Right? You're going, wait a minute, that didn't strike me. What's up with that? No, there's a lot of factors that went into that, and... Um, I hate to admit it, but one of the places that surpassed us was Honolulu. I think those people live in delusion, don't you? They just think they're in paradise. Yeah, now, Anyway, so this is a great place to live. It's a great place to be in church this morning. Let me tell you why you feel good when you come to church. You feel good because you have taken your spirit, the eternal part of you that God gave you, And you brought it and you put it next to His. And when you put your spirit next to God's spirit and you actually connect with God, it gives you something on the inside that's unlike anything else you can get anywhere else you go. You know why? Because God made you to live connected to Him. Now, you can search this entire world over and look for something to substitute for that. And I can tell you, you will never find it. Because your spirit has its origin in God, and eventually your spirit will go to be with God. And when in the intervening years of your life you take your spirit and put it next to His, it feels good, it feels safe, it feels comfortable. It feels inspiring because it's where your spirit was designed to be. So I'm glad you came this morning and uh, I hope that you get connected with God this morning because if you come to church and you only get next to me or you only get next to the people around you, well, you settle for second best because the real reason you're here is to connect with God. So I want to... I want to encourage you on that journey, whether you, this is your first time here or you come here all the time. I want to say welcome to you. For those of you whom I haven't met, my name is Ron. I'd love to meet uh, you before you get out of here. I'll hang out in the lobby afterwards and uh, we'll enjoy some time together. Uh, in the meantime, I would encourage you to open your programs, take out of your programs the the notes. You'll find a, a page of folded notes, fill in the blank style, and... Um, We're in the middle of a series called Unchained. Bob talked to you about that uh, a while ago. And uh, we're talking about things that naturally weight us down in life. And this entire series of messages is based on a passage of Scripture that I want to read to you. It's up here on our video screens. It says, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now take a look at that because there's an assumption that the author makes in there. And that is, he makes the assumption that weights and sins are not something that you and I pick up as we go through life, but that they're already existent in our lives. He doesn't say, some of you have these and need to cast them off. No, they are common to the human spirit. And he goes on to say, so that we can run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't be weary and give up. In many ways, it's very fitting we would be going through this passage during the time of the Olympics because this is a great setting and what's going on in the stadium is the race of life. And the author points to a number of things. He indicates or he at least infers that some people will get weary and they'll give up in the race of life. He indicates that there's a couple of things that all racers absolutely hate and don't want to be part of their lives. And, and those are things like weights and obstacles that trip them up. Yeah, sure enough. And he indicates that the weights and the obstacles are there for all of us. Now, as I thought about that, I realized that the weights are things that we encounter in life. We all encounter these things. And today we're going to talk about the weight of competition. I'll talk to you about that in just a few minutes. But it's an inescapable weight in life. But you know, Christians are not the only people who struggle with these things. It's just that maybe we're made more aware of them. But even if you go out into pop culture, you'll find out that everybody struggles with the weight of life. John Mayer, multi-Grammy artist, wrote a song. They've actually, he's written several about this particular subject. And the worship band is going to do a John Mayer song right now. And I want, you to, I want you to take a look at the words, okay? Because it's about the weight. Just like gravity, it's inescapable, continually pulls us down. And our author wants us not to get out of the race because of it. Take a listen. Twice as much ain't twice as good. And can't sustain like one half could. It's wanting more that drives me to my knees. Can you relate to that? And yeah, nobody wants to shake their head like this, right? Yeah. Let's see if we can explore that a little bit, because he's really, John Mayer is really just expressing the cry of the human spirit. Let's take a look at this weight of competition and see what it does in our life, okay? You are one of 6.8 billion people on this earth. Think there might be a little competition there? Yeah. Let me give you another figure. If you take the people that just live from San Rafael, no, actually, Novato, up through Santa Rosa, And I know some of you drive actually from Windsor and Sebastopol and other places. But if you take just the population of of Novato, Petaluma, Cotati, Rohnert Park, and Santa Rosa, you get about 320,000 people. Think about that. That's a lot of people in this area. I think maybe I included San Rafael in that too. That's a bunch. Think about that for a minute. We all compete For the same space on our roads, right? Now, some of you know that all too well. We all compete for the same water. We compete for the same customer base. We compete for the same market share. Think about this. We compete for the same jobs. If you're younger, we compete in the same pool of singles for our future mates, correct? Yeah. If you're in school, you compete in the same curve for the top grades, right? Yeah. Competition is inescapable in this life. Think about this. You're going to be one of 500 and some people who will come to just this church this morning. You know, when your odds are one in 500, they're not real good, are they? Competition is just this inescapable thing that we encounter in life. So, this morning, we're going to bring out the why that we've been using, except we have the new and improved why this morning, all right? So, out here, we have competition, And here we're going to have carry, and here we're going to have release. And the question is, are you and I going to carry this, or are we going to release it? Because like everything else that we've talked about in life, that is a weight, it's going to pull us down. Now, before I get into this, I want to say this to you. Last week, we talked about being unchained from hurts. Okay? When I talked to you about that, that was something that, well, there's nothing subtle about hurts, correct? When someone smacks you in life or hurts you in life or does something destructive to you, you very seldom pull beside the road and go, I wonder what just happened. You know what happened, right? No one has to draw you a picture. Your heart is broken. Your heart hurts. It doesn't just kind of sneak up on you. It just, blam, there it is. You can't miss it. Now, I want you to pay attention this morning because what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is kind of way the opposite of that. Because what I'm going to talk to you about this morning, it's not up in the conscious mind... It's much more in the subconscious mind. It's not up in the current of things that occupy your mind from time to time or all the time. It's not something that's obvious and evident that you can see and everybody around you can see. But what I'm talking to you about today is the stuff that goes in the undercurrent of your mind. It's a little bit like just having one more McDonald's Quarter Pounder. You can rationalize and say, one more is not going to kill me. No one ever died because they ate one Quarter Pounder, correct? (laughs) (laughs) But what happens when you put enough of them together? Yeah, Can you point to any one meal that did you in? probably not, but it was the cumulative effect of what was going on. So having said all of that, the question is, as I walk through life and I, and I encounter competition with the 6.8 billion people in my world, am I, am I going to find a way to release that and live in this very competitive world and not be drawn down by the weight of competition? Or am I going to try to gut it out and carry it and, and, and figure out how to succeed that way? Now here's what I want you to know. Like all the other weights we've talked about, the biggest danger in the weight is not the weight itself, but the biggest danger in the weight are the sins that it leads us into. So let's take a look at the first thing that if we decide to carry this that it leads us to and, and the first sin that it leads us to down this path is is the sin the sin of greed okay let me read you a passage of scripture that Jesus talked about he said beware guard against every kind of greed Now, if there's ever a message that would be good for every one of us in the United States of America to hear, it would be the next sentence. Would you read it out loud with me? Ready? Let's read together. Life is not measured by how much you own. Do you believe that? (laughs) You believe it today, but tomorrow when you're in the store, you might not. Yeah, that's the point. Jesus said, be on your guard or beware. All right, let's break this out a little bit. The word beware, you know what it means? The word beware means to stare at, to look at intensely or to concentrate on. That's literally what the original word meant. In other words, to give it your full attention. Now, why would Jesus say, beware, before he talked about greed? Because he was telling the people of his day exactly what I just told you, and that is greed is something that goes on in the undercurrent of our lives. And if you're not looking for it, you'll miss it. You'll be filled with it, and you'll never know. You'll never have a clue. So let's take a look at the next point. Every kind. What makes greed so tough is it comes in so many different kinds. You know what we usually think of when we think of greed? We think of some, some squinty-eyed old miser, right? Who sits around and can only dream of making him sort of the, um, the Scrooge of our world who counts his money and walks on people in order to get what he wants and really doesn't care. And we go, Thank God I'm not a greedy person. And Jesus goes, Whoa, 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 not so fast. There's all different kinds of this. And you need to be aware. You need to look at your life intensely because I would tell you frankly, I'm not sure I've ever met a person in life that didn't struggle actively with one or more forms of greed. I know I do. Okay? Third thing is this. The chief element in greed is what? More. Is that an all-American word? It is. I'm pretty sure that Americans don't know the word enough. Now, there's a guy that's made the news recently. In fact, on Friday, he gave a press conference. His name is Tiger Woods. Okay. Now, I want to tell you something. When you crank up the human spirit with competition, and and Tiger is one of the most competitive people in the world, when you crank it up on competition and you don't put any limits or boundaries or guidelines on it, you know what he said to one of his mistresses? Now, think about this for a minute. He said to her, I'm not as financially set as I'd like to be. That from a man who makes a little bit better than $276,000 every day from just his endorsements. But I'm not as financially set as I'd like to be. I can tell you, friends, if you're looking in your life for the enough button to automatically trip itself, it's not going to. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how many jobs you have. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what kind of house you live in. Unless you look for the enough button and you purposely punch the enough button in your life and you decide to regularly visit that button, you will, you will be... What was it John Mayer said? Wanting more drives me to my knees. Yeah, it's in our human nature. This part of the message is not good news. I just want you to know that greed is the normal setting for the human spirit. Can you agree with that? It is, yeah. Okay, so now let's take a look at the release of purpose. Because on the opposite side of greed, we have purpose. Notice what Jesus said. Don't worry and say, what will we eat? Some of you are already thinking about that for lunch, aren't you? Yes. Or what will we wear? Some of you have already been through that battle this morning, correct? Now now look at what he says next. And by the way, I'm glad that you took some time and chose something nice to wear. I would struggle if you showed up with no clothes. So so there you go, all right? Now, but I want you to see what he says. The people who don't know God keep trying to get these things. And your Heavenly Father knows you need them. The thing you should want most, and I inserted the next two words, the thing you should want most is what? What? Yet that needs to be your purpose in life, is God's kingdom and doing what God wants, then all these other things you need will be given to you. And that's an amazing promise. And I don't have a whole lot of time to pause on that promise. I just want you to know, I didn't make that promise. Who made that promise? God made that promise. That means it's a good one. Now, Let's take a look at this. Greed is the natural but counterfeit purpose in life. It is the natural but counterfeit purpose in all of our lives. Let me give you three examples, and and, and this list could be endless. Take several two-year-olds, put them in a room of toys, and what do they assume their purpose is? Get as many toys and hoard them as you can, correct? Greed is the natural but counterfeit purpose in life, okay? Let's move ahead a little bit in life, and, and let's take a beautiful lady and let's put her in a room of men. What's she going to do normally? She's going to try to get as much attention as she can from as many of those men as she can. I'm not saying she's a bad lady. It's natural. It's normal. You can see it every day. Let, okay, let's, not, let's jump on the guys for a while. Take guys. Give them some resources and put them in a world of guy toys. And what do they assume is their purpose? Own as many as you can. Friends, it's just... It's the natural, but but what? Counterfeit purpose in life. Let's flip the coin over and take a look at... Uh, At the opposite side. Because I can tell you, friends, in 40 plus years of ministry, I've had many people come into my office and say, Pastor, I need to confess something to you. Pastor, I need to confess something to you. And I've had people confess all kinds of things. But I I did an inventory of my ministry, and I can't remember even one time that anyone came to my office and said, Pastor, my problem is I'm just a greedy person. No one says that. No one says that. But we struggle with it. It just doesn't sound very good to say I'm greedy because that makes me sound selfish, right? And who wants to be selfish? Nobody wants to be selfish and yet we struggle with that. So the opposite side of this, Jesus lays it out very clearly. He says God's kingdom is to be the chosen, not necessarily the natural, the chosen but real purpose in life. And friends, there you go. You're going down the road of life and you can can either choose this side and be greedy and try to collect as many things as you can and all the other things that go with that. Or you can decide to release that and begin to invest your life in purpose. Now the interesting thing about purpose I'll tell you very clearly. Let's take another guy that's been in the news a lot recently in the athletic world, and that's a guy by the name of Tim Tebow. Okay? If you follow college football at all, Tim Tebow is one of the most decorated and celebrated quarterbacks in college football. But what's Tim Tebow known for? <laughs> He's the son of a pastor And even while he was in college, he raised almost half a million dollars for an orphanage in the Philippines. Why? Because he said, my life is going to be invested in helping people. Football is just an avenue to help me bless other people. Let me tell you this, 40 plus years of ministry, every person I've ever known who was happy and excited about life and excited to get up in the morning okay found an unselfish cause to give their entire life to for some people it's saving stray pets at least they're happy they get out of bed every day and they look for stray pets and they take them down to the, to the pound and they, t- they take the feral cats out and they pay out of their own pockets to get them, to get them spayed and neutered and, and they're making the world a better place. For some people, we know in the Bay Area, for some people, it's hanging out in trees, right? So they won't cut them down. But they found a reason to live. You know, I might look at that reason and go, man, can't you find something better than that? But at least it was a purpose. At least it was unselfish. You know what God said? Here's what Jesus did. He says, if you want to be happy, okay, you find an unselfish purpose to give your life to. And oh, by the way, let me tell you what ought to be at the top of the list. And what did he say ought to be at the top of the list? God's kingdom. Because you may save the trees and lose the people of the earth. That's probably not a good trade. You may save all the feral cats in the world, but if you lose all the people in the world, that probably wasn't a real good investment. The best investment you could ever make of your life is get next to God's eternal cause because it makes a difference in this world and in the world to come. So let's take a look at the second sin that's down here beneath greed. And this is the sin of... Busyness. We don't struggle with that, do we? Hell yeah. Some of us had to make a decision about whether to come to church this morning or not because you had to look at your schedule, see all had, that you had to do, right? Busy. That's not business, that's a whole different deal. Busyness. okay? Let me read you what Jesus said when he was telling you the parable about the farmer that went out to sow seed and some of it fell in various places. And he talks about the fact that these various places the seed fell represent different kinds of people. And the one that I want to talk to you about this morning is the thorns, okay? It says the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's Word, but all too quickly the message is... What's the next two words? Crowded out. I want you to circle and underline those. And what does the message get crowded out by? By the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Wow. So no fruit is produced. Wow. Write this in your, in your notes somewhere. You might want to abbreviate. I'll give it to you in its, longest, in its longer form. Okay? In our culture... The popular almost always crowds out the important. The popular is often allowed to crowd out the important. What do I mean by the popular? You know the amazing thing when you start traveling down this road? People rarely talk about and ever focus on, wonder where this road is headed. But you know what does occupy our attention? We don't want anybody getting ahead of us on this road. Okay? If I'm going to be in this world of competition and I'm going to be collecting toys and I'm going to be collecting the accolades and whatever else I can, I'm continually looking around me because I don't want anyone to be ahead of me, but I haven't really thought about where this road's going. You know how this plays into our lives? It's silly little things. The neighbor's kids go enroll in soccer and we think, golly, I've got a six-year-old. And the neighbor kid comes over and goes, you know, neener, 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 I'm in a soccer league. And now we think our kid is deprived because he didn't play soccer, right? So we got to go out and get him enrolled in a soccer league. And some other neighborhood kid comes over and goes, you know what we got for Christmas? We got a we. And we look at our kids and we think, our kids deserve a we. So we have to find a way to go out and get a Wii. And then, of course, when we get a Wii, we can't just let it sit there, right? We have to make something of our investment. And so we have to, and then the neighborhood kid comes over and goes, We got a PlayStation 3. We don't have one. We have to get one of those. And friends, the list just is endless. neighbor comes over guess what we did over over valentine's break we went to disneyland we think man it's been a long time since i've been to disneyland i deserve disneyland right no 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 i deserve disney world cuz then i could one up my neighbor I can drive to Disneyland. No one's going to drive to Disney World. We flew, baby, to Disney World. It's the craziness. And the next thing you know... All the stuff that's popular is what's driving our lives. And all the stuff that's important just gets pushed to the side because we have to experience in our lifetime what everyone else is experiencing in our lifetime. And we have to own in our lifetime what everybody else is owning in their lifetime. Or somehow we're going to get to the end of our life and go, by golly, I got cheated. And the one thing I want to make sure in life, I don't get cheated. No one is going to get ahead of me on this road. Okay? Now, what's the opposite of that? Guess what? A little four-letter word. Okay? A plan. Notice again. Let me read to you from God's Word. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry, scurry puts you where? Oh, boy, if we could just get that. Imagine how different the families of our world would be instead of if running off to Disney... By the way, I love Disneyland. I'm not trying to pick on them. But instead of running off to Disneyland at every opportunity or Disney World or running down to Marine World or wherever else, and I even love amusement parks, and I'm picking on amusement parks. But imagine how different the families of our world would be if we decided... Monday through Friday, we're going to sit at the dinner table, no TV on, and we're going to talk, and we're going to eat, and we're going to enjoy being a family. We're not going to sign up the kids for any sport that makes them practice till 9 o'clock at night because then we can't have family time. We're going to be a family. We're not going to let what's popular crowd out what's important. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, we have a plan. See, the best homes are not the busiest homes. That's important for all of us to know. The best homes are not the... the you know, sometimes all we do is pass this busyness on to the next generation, Right? when we raise our children in this chaos. I want to tell you this. The best homes operate by a plan, okay? And that plan comes out of the chosen purpose for that family. And I can tell you from Monica and me, we, we, we let a ton of things that were popular go by because that was not important to us. What was important was that we would pass on to our children, not chaos, but a plan not, 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 not this endless non-structure a, a parade of continual activities to keep them excited and to keep them somehow I hear parents say well I'll tell you what it's not my favorite but at least it keeps them off the streets Oh, don't, don't sink to that level of parenting you can do better than that have a plan for your family that develops your children. So another whole message. I don't want to get into that too much. Okay. Okay. Finish this statement. If you fail to plan, you what? You sure? That's true. Well, most of us know that in business. I wonder if we know that in our homes. I want to challenge you with that. Let's talk about the third thing down here. And that's the sin of pride. By the way, these are progressive. You start down this path and you decide, no, I'm not going to release competitiveness. I'm going to win. Okay? So the first thing it will do is it will open you up to greed. And if you walk down the path of greed and you need more, then guess what? It's going to take you straight into busyness because you can't ever let anyone get past you. And you stay on that path long enough and it's going to lead you to the place of pride. Now, let me read to you from God's Word. Paul writes and says, we're not putting ourselves in a league with those who boast that they're our superiors. We wouldn't dare to do that. In all this comparing, I want you to underline and circle the word comparing. In all this comparing and grading and competing, they what? Quite miss the point. Can I tell you that once you start keeping score in life, you're going to miss the main point of life. That's the deal. In fact... Here's the principle that I want you to see out of this. And that is, those who compete have to what? They have to keep score. How could you compete if you don't know what the score is? There is no competition without score. And that's the burden that that this sin brings into our lives. In fact, the chief element in pride, in all pride, the chief element is competition. For instance, you might think that you're proud of your house, and maybe you have good reason to be proud of your house, but I'll guarantee you no matter what house you live in, if you're in our audience this morning, if we move that house to certain neighborhoods, you would be quite embarrassed of it. Why? Because it would not compare favorably with all the other homes in that new neighborhood. No matter what car you drive, your, your sedan that you love, Okay or even your convertible, even if it's a Lexus or a Beamer. (laughs) Go drive that in the Concours d'Elegance at Pebble Beach, surrounded by your million-dollar, multi-million-dollar cars, and all of a sudden, you know, your 2005 Jaguar convertible just doesn't stand out all that much. Or maybe it does, but the wrong way. You see, the chief element in pride is competition. How am I doing compared to those around me? You know what Jesus says? Get out of the game. Don't compete. Because if you compete, you have to keep score. And if you keep score, eventually you're going to run into multiple people who are going to defeat you. They will be ahead of you. And you will always feel cheated in life. What's the answer to that? Here it is. It's partnerships. Take a look. You keep competing for so-called important parts, Paul writes, but now I want to lay out a far better way for you. And what is it? The way of love. Boy, that's a way of partnership. And He also writes, "'Use your freedom to serve one another in love.'" You know what a partnership is? A partnership is this. A partnership is the voluntary exchange of service. It's people who decide to give for each other what they cannot supply by themselves.'" And it's voluntary. And friends, it's always two-way. I know there are people who are willing to give, but they always give from a standpoint of superiority. Friends, there's no partnership in that sort of giving. Partnerships, voluntary exchange of service. I'm going to show you that that in Jesus' life uh, in just a few minutes. Because the world is filled with basically three kinds of people. Are you ready for them? Number one, people who don't care. There's no particular place to write this other than the margins, all right? Number one, people who don't care. People who don't care, do they change the world? If they do, it's not for the better, correct? Okay? Number two, people who compete. People who compete are too busy competing to actually change the world. And when they do change the world, usually it's by stepping on somebody they're competing against. guess what the third group of people is? People who forge partnerships. I'll guarantee you the people that you love and the people you love to be around and the people who inspire you the most and the people you are drawn to are the people that somehow everybody they touch, they bless because they forge these wonderful partnerships. They forge partnerships with people in the home. They forge these wonderful partnerships with the extended family. When they go to church, when they go to church, they find ways to partner with people at church. When they go to life group, they find ways to partner with people in the life group, this mutual exchange of service. When they go to the workplace, in the marketplace, they find ways to forge this wonderful partnership wherever they go. They just leave behind them this wonderful trail of, of partnerships where people are lifted and, and, and life is good. And in the end, they changed the world. So now it's time for a little inventory. Okay? Take a look up here. Honestly, look here and say, okay, God, where do I struggle? And, and I'm just going to give you a couple of minutes of quiet to do that. And uh, you can write down a word or two, whatever God brings to mind, because I'm going to give you the remedies uh, to those things. If you have nothing to write down, down here, then write this word, honesty, because that's where you struggle. <laughs> that makes sense? Because we all struggle. It's, this is the natural setting of our human spirit. Now, the, the solutions to these things are relatively simple, okay? Because if you look at greed and you go, man, God, I hate being greedy. I want to repent of being greedy. I, I want you to understand here, this is pretty easy. The answer to greed is purpose. If you will begin to structure your life around purpose, find a selfless purpose, an unselfish purpose, that not that you just give a donation to once a year or you go and work on a project once a year. Find a selfless cause that becomes your identity in life. It's what gets you out of bed every day. And you probably won't struggle with greed again because now you have its remedy. The answer to busyness, guess what it is? You figured it out. It's a plan. Figure out what your purpose is for you and then begin to structure your time and your efforts around that purpose. And you will find that when you are busy, you're busy up here doing really, really good things and you may need to work to bring some balance in your life, but you won't be struggling with this endless busyness that has you doing all these things that don't make any difference. And then last of all, the answer to pride is learning how to partner with people instead of competing with them. And if you'll learn how to forge partnerships, you probably won't struggle with pride. We have a prayer. I want you to take a look at it. And like the previous three or four weeks, I want you to read it ahead of time. And if you're willing to pray it and mean it, then I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray it out loud with me. Here it is on the screen. I guess you can read it on your notes as well while they get it on the screen. It looks to me like somebody is scrambling to type it very quickly, all right? So read it out of your notes, all right? you're ready to pray and mean every word of it, then let's pray together. Ready? Loving Father, I confess to you this morning my tendency as a human being to compete with those around me. It is my nature to want more, never being fully satisfied with what I already have. It is my nature to try to keep up with everyone else. And it is my nature to keep score. I ask your help this week in honestly assessing the part each of these is currently playing in my life. And I further ask your help in choosing to replace every form of greed with a commitment to your purpose in my life. To cutting away the busyness of my life by putting together a plan that brings both purpose and balance, and to overcoming my tendency to keep score by intentionally building partnerships with everyone around me. I want to travel light in the race of life, and I want to finish the course well. Thank you for forgiving me and helping me make that change. I pray to you in Jesus' name.